0: You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? I'm well, coming get it, it! What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got a lot coming for y'all today, man. We got round two of the NBA playoffs. We got a lot of current events and entertainment for y'all today. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into it.
0: Yeah, man. First thing we got to talk about is the huge match- matchups that we're seeing in the second round. And the biggest one that we've seen so far is the Jaw versus Steph matchup. We seen last night, Jaw went crazy with a 47 piece in a nail biting game in game two. So that series is tied 1 1 going into Golden State. What has been your biggest takeaway, either from the Warriors or the Grizzly side of the ball that has stood out to you?
1: John Morant has turned into a player that, although you can know what he's gonna do, because my dad and I, when we were watching the game um over the weekend, he was saying, I know what he's gonna do. Everybody knows what he's gonna do. It's just can you stop him? And John Morant is turning into that player. He could do the same two or three moves every single time, he could drive with the left and do the fadeaway layup. He can do the spin in the paint with the floater. Like, he has his key moves that he does, but he's getting into that bag of it doesn't matter if the whole arena knows what he's doing. Can you stop him? As great as stuff is, as great of a unit as Golden State is, it's just when you're playing a superstar like that that's damn near unstoppable, it, it's just hard to compete still sometimes. And I hear people saying, you know, Ja Morant, damn, has to play like this in order for the Grizzlies to win. That's not always a bad thing. You know, sometimes that could be the reason why you're winning. Yes, Golden State may be the better team, but, hey, if Ja is going to be arguably one of the faces of the league moving into the future, he's going to grow into that player that you expect, hey, you got to be Superman every single night. I'm not comparing him to LeBron, but the way we look at LeBron, like, hey, I don't care what everybody else does, LeBron in his prime, if he's not going off they damn near not going to win the game. And I think Jaw has kind of gotten into that bag like other players that are emerging into that bag in this league right now.
0: Because the first game he had 34, in game two he had 47, so he averaging 40 this series. Obviously nobody can stop him. They've tried to throw an array of people on him and it's nothing that you can really do. And somebody brought up a great point on Twitter today. He's like a mix of the 2000s-era guards, when you talk about Steve Francis, Allen Iverson, Baron Davis, he's like a mix of all of them put together, and he still makes it work even in the 2020s because you cannot stop him with his speed. He has the floater. He can knock down the three-pointers enough. It's just tough to stop that man at this point. I think one thing that we've seen in that Timberwolves series, though, is that You can tire him out a little bit if you go at him on defense. And I think that's the one thing that Golden State has to do come games three and game four. Whoever is going up against Ja, or you can just pick and roll and get the matchup of Ja on you, Steph Curry, or whether it's Wiggins, a bigger person, you have to attack Ja and tire him out on that end so he doesn't have all of that energy going into offense because he is the catalyst. Without him, they're not doing anything on the Grizzlies. He's averaging 40, and he has to average 40 because they're only winning. All, the, it's all It's been close games in the first one, and that's because Jaron Jackson had 33. You're not going to get 33 out of Jaron Jackson every night. And then right. he had 47, which possibly is an anomaly. So you mm-hmm. have to tire him out on that side of the ball because if you slow him down, you slow the whole team down. Bain has been slowed down, uh, especially considering what he was doing in that Timberwolves series. You have to slow him down by going at him offensively. And I think that's something that we will see in the, in the coming games, because that's what the Timberwolves were doing. Anthony Edwards, even Pat Bev was going at Anthony Edwards and it was effective. That's why we didn't see these types of big nights when he was going up them in that first series. So that has to be an adjustment though. But I've been, I've been supremely impressed.
1: And um, I shared it on my IG story, you know, Pat Bev talking about he ain't getting 47 in our series. And honestly, that's making the Timberwolves look bad because you mean to tell me John ja didn't have to be Superman in any of that series and they still sent y'all home? That just proves, again, how the Timberwolves really beat themselves a lot in that series with just the dumb mistakes they made. Talking about how John ja didn't get 47 on y'all isn't helping <laughs> y'all argument. Like, that's really just saying, hey, Ja could really just get, like, 25 and the Grizzlies can still beat y'all ass. Like, there's really all that saying. So, Pat Bell trying to brag about how they didn't get that much scoring from Ja Morant in their series is like, hey, they sent y'all home without him even having to play at his best. But just to talk about the Warriors for a second, I think Draymond Green is going to be the reason that the Warriors end up winning this series. Because the matchup between Ja and, um, ja and Steph, I think that's going to be a much bigger battle as the series continues to move forward. I don't see Steph having a 40-point night like how everybody's predicting. I think Draymond Green just continuing to facilitate this offense and Klay just coming up clutch. I think those are the two I don't think he has to, though. Too.
0: I, that's why I wouldn't look for a step to go for 40 because he doesn't have to. Like, scoring his 25 to 30 is good enough because all of the help that he has in Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson and Draymond Greed and the others that are coming off the bench. Like, he has more help. And you got Andrew Wiggins, who was an all star. That's somebody who I really want to see step up in this type of series because he has mismatches in a lot of these matchups that he's going against and he's not attacking them. Whether it's not, he's not hitting the open shot. He's not attacked. Like, bro, you're a 22 point per game scorer when you were in Minnesota. You still have that ability in you. Don't become a Harrison Barnes. I just stand in the corner type of dude, bro. Because you can do way more than that. They got you because they know you can do more than that. Don't turn into somebody who's just, oh, I stand in the corner and just wait to get the ball. Because you can do more, especially in a series where you're going to have mismatches on you. You have to attack. Clay Thompson hasn't played well in these first two uh, in these first two games. Even though he hit a game winner in game one, he shot like six for 19 in both of the games. I think that will change, especially going home. So I think the margin for error is way wider for the Golden State Warriors. Just a lot of things didn't go their way. And obviously mm-hmm. with John being explosive in that fourth quarter, that's going to happen when you get Cam back on when he scores 18, that's going to happen. But I still think the Warriors will win this series with everything that they have with that, uh, with that team. They still have the advantage. I still would say five of six because I'm just saying what you can't be doing the same things against Ja anymore like you have to double him at some point it's no way you can let him go one-on-one on on whoever he goes up against and just allow that shit to happen you can't let 47 happen again like somebody got to beat me Zaire Williams Dylan Brooks somebody got to beat me it ain't gonna be Ja Morant so I think we got to see that as well
1: because I got the Warriors winning in six. I think last week when we talked about second round, I I think I said six for this series. But if the Grizzlies can do the impossible and go to Golden State and get a dub on the road, they got a chance to win this shit, bro. I, I really think they got a chance to win this shit. But it's slim. because That's what I'm saying. It's it, slim, though. It's slim. But if Memphis can go in the first game at Golden State and steal a dub, that might shift the whole tide of the series, bro.
0: Having John Moran on your team, we don't know what the the limit is on this dude, bro. Nobody can stop him. If he can score 47, 18 in the fourth on a a good defensive team most of the time and make the defenders look silly, I don't know. It's just on the other people to step up around him. Like DeAnthony Melton played huge yesterday. And one of the biggest reasons I actually think they won is because Dylan Brooks got ejected. Dylan Brooks was looking like some hot-ass garbage in game one. I think they played better with him off the court because Zaire Williams got in the game and hit like three or four threes, which ended up helping them in the long run. While Dylan Brooks probably would have been out there fouling, airballing threes, all that bullshit, I'm not saying he's not a solid player, but in this series and even in the last series a little bit, he just didn't look like himself. But Zaire Williams came in and played one hell of a game, and I think that was to their advantage that he ended up getting ejected for that, uh, that flagrant, two on Gary Payton.
1: And just to go over that play for a second, I'm not sure what the consensus is on how defense is played nowadays. We hear so many people complain about how the game is so much softer now, like you don't get to play defense for real. If this foul happened in the 90s or the 80s, nobody's batting an eye. Like nobody cares because it's just a hard foul, and – Gary Payton, um, the second or junior, whatever is, uh, um, what you call it is, he he just got hurt. That's I think that would be the synopsis. That's what made it if yeah. If we're back then, but mm-hmm. like we always complain about how we want to see so much more physical defense, but when we see a physical defensive play happen, oh, that's a flagrant two. Oh, you got to get ejected, blah blah blah. So it's like, well, damn, what do y'all want? like as the fans as spectators as crit um as critics of the game what are we expecting the defense to be I think early 2000s was the best um me- mesh of officiating and physicality when it came to actual fouls the the early 2000s that was that's my best memory of what actual officiating should be in the NBA because the foul that happened I didn't think it was worth getting ejected but because the way he went for the ball and just ended up mm-hmm. ended up happening the way that it happened. And Gary yeah. ended up landing the way that he landed. But mm-hmm. I didn't think it was worth him getting ejected. And I don't think it was that malicious of a play.
0: Yeah, everybody calling him dirty and all that shit, jumping on his head. Like, I don't think it was dirty at all. bro. Dylan Brooks doesn't have that type of reputation either to be a dirty type of player. I think he just ended up catching dude in the head. And that was it. I think he should have got ejected, though, because of what happened in game game one with Draymond. You couldn't eject Draymond in game one and not eject Dylan Brooks in game two because they were similar offenses. I think Draymond should have got ejected in game one. I know that was a lot of debate, but when you grab somebody by their jersey and pull them down and they have no protection, they can't land, Like I think you should have been ejected in game one. And I think the same thing. And I think this this flagrant foul was more so because how he landed. He ended up uh, fracturing yeah. his elbow. All of that kind of added into why he ended up being ejected. But it's because of the duality of the flagrant fouls. You couldn't call one a flagrant two and then not call the other one a flagrant two.
1: No, I still got Warriors in six, but it's just going to hurt to see Ja go home. I'll put it on my IG story. It's like, damn, I got the Warriors winning. But every time Jo ja gets a bucket, I'm going crazy. Like, it's just, it's one of those series where you're going to be mad seeing either team go home.
0: And it's once again, people starting to have that conversation of, is he going to be face of the league? And like I said, I think it's too early to tell. I know we had this conversation before, but I still think it's too early to tell. I think right now the best player is Giannis, and I think you have Mm -hmm. to get past Giannis in the East. And You still got to get past these warriors. We I, we spoke about the criteria I went in one episode two. I'm blanking on the episode, but I talked about the criteria. You have to be uh, you have to be an obstacle in your conference where you're consistently getting to a certain point where you're consistently getting to the conference finals or finals every year. You have to be that type of person in your conference. If job becomes that, then he could be face of the league potential. But if we see second round out, second round out. It's like, ah, uh, he can't be face of the league because it all comes down to championships and winning games, bro. All of the ones when we talk about Kobe, when we talk about Braun, when you talk about Tim Duncan, when you talk about all of these people who have been face of the league, all of them were contenders in roadblocks, and there are certain divisions. So I think that's the criteria. Too early to tell right now, but he has the potential, though, bro. I, don't, I wouldn't put it past him to be that type of roadblock in the Western Conference if he keeps this trajectory for sure. Moving on to the next series, we got Battle between the Bucks versus the Celtics. This was the most anticipated series coming into the second round, and it's living up to the hype. Even though both games were blowouts for both sides, still we're getting the, the matchup that we anticipated because we just didn't know which way it would end up landing. How did you feel about the first two games that you've seen?
1: It was amazing. You know, the, what you call it, the Boston Celtics coming off of sweeping the nets, going up against the defending champions and Giannis, I said – the Bucks will still win this series. I think I called this one in 6-2. Even with Giannis not having Chris Middleton, I just know Giannis is the best player in the league right now. He's going to be able to carry this load and get the team where they need to go. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and them boys, though, like they they fighting for it. They really want it, and we see the for um the ferocity that Jason Tatum had playing against KD, he's having it against Giannis too. But he realized that hey, this seven footer a little
0: bit he more a muscular, different beast a for sure. Stronger. Yeah, he a different beast for sure. <laughs> hey,
1: this, this ain't the slim reaper right here. This this the Greek yeah. freak, you know. So I, I've seen that video when he was trying to cover Giannis and Giannis just straight up bullied him and put him to the floor. But then, like you said, the, the next game, uh, it was another blowout in Boston's favor, you know. So it's just going to be a real big battle. That's going to be the matchup to me. Uh, I don't think Tatum's going to get bodied throughout the whole series, but Giannis, like you said, is a different beast. You know, he's one of those players where it's no answer to. And I think even missing an important piece like Middleton, I just think the Bucks just have that chemistry, that championship DNA, so they they can put on um, the Celtics away in six.
0: This is the biggest takeaway I took from game one, and this is why I'm so scared of the Bucks, and it's not even Giannis really. It's more so the effect of Brook Lopez. He can be so effective and you don't even realize that he's out there a lot of the time, but he's so effective defensively because you cannot get to the paint on him and they force you to take threes. The Bucs force you to take threes. If you can mm-hmm. hit threes like the uh, like the Celtics did in game two, you can most likely get the upper hand against somebody like the Bucks. But somebody like Brook Lopez, he intimidates players. They were attacking him uh, at some points last night. But bro, Brooke Lopez is a player that you don't want to go up against because you know it's going to be a blocked shot. It's going to be a, a tough contest. That's the X factor for the Bucks team, bro. And that's the person that when if Miami played him in the second or in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's the person I'm more worried about the most. Especially with uh, players like Bam, players like Jimmy who want to attack. You got to go up against Brook Lopez, bro. He ain't allowing none of that shit. So that's the person that really stuck out to me in game one. Even though Giannis did everything, uh, had a triple-double and all that, Brooke Lopez stood out. And I think in game two, Jalen Brown obviously had the most points. But I think Jalen has to play like that every night if they want to win this series. It can't be up and down Jalen Brown where it's, oh, game one, he's struggling. Oh, game two, he 30 points. We need 30 points every game from you, bro, especially with – Marcus Smart going down. You need some uh, some extra lift in the points production uh, column as well. So I have to expect this from Jalen Brown every game. I know what I'm getting from Tatum. I know I'm getting from other players. Pritchard plays some good minutes. Williams, Al Horford, I got to know what I'm getting from my second star on this team. I need at least 25, 30 to keep up with the pace of, of Giannis especially. So he played big. And a huge shout, shout out. To Grant Williams because he would not get credit in any of these sports media pages or in these shows, but he probably is one of the biggest X factors for the Celtics as well. Giannis does not want to go against him. Every time Giannis gets Grant Williams on him, he's passing a rock. He don't want to go go up against Grant. Grant is probably six five six six, but he's strong as hell. So even mm-hmm. though Giannis is strong, shit, Grant Williams can match that shit, bro. And he's one of the biggest key factors in that first series against the Nets and this series too, because he's coming off the bench, he hitting threes and he playing tough D, and nobody wants to go against him, bro. That's scary.
1: He's like a PJ Tucker, you know. He may not be the yeah. tallest person on the court. He he's like PJ Tucker is what Patrick Beverly wants to be. Like he may not, Pat. Neither um PJ Tucker nor Patrick Beverly have the height, but Patrick um. What you call it? P.J. Tucker has the built and he has the IQ. Not only is he strong enough to go against anybody, he can literally guard one through five. I remember with the Rockets, they were putting P.J. Tucker at the five. And I'm like, what the hell? This doesn't make sense. But they found a way to still make it work because he knows the game and he knows how to use his size to his advantage, even if he doesn't have the the literal size advantage. So I I totally agree. P.J. Tucker is somebody who you don't want to go against. And um, like you say, he's he's the exact same way.
0: Grant Williams, bro, I'm telling you, he's going to be one of the best. When you talk about importance, when you talk about the Tatum's, the Browns, Grant Williams is probably top three. Horford probably going to be throwing up there too because he's also getting thrown at, throwing at Giannis too. But I'm telling you, when I when I see Giannis is he obviously he's just like trying to decipher if he wants to attack him, but most of the time he giving it up and he's looking for a screen, looking for somebody to switch off of him. But Grant Williams trying to stay with him, bro. So that's probably one of the biggest things I took from the first two games, bro. Grant Williams is gonna be a good player in this league, man. Didn't expect that, but definitely is. But um, what do you expect for the future of this series? How do you feel like this will go? Obviously, with the series tied one, one.
1: Yeah, Bucks still getting in the six. I, I just think <laughs> them them missing Marcus Smart, bro. I, I think that's gonna hurt. And like you said, Jalen Brown, if the consistency isn't there on top of not having Marcus Smart. It's really just gonna be a hey, Jason Tatum. You gotta get 50 every night. That's the only way these, you know, that's the only way they're finna win for real. So I got the Bucks and six. It'll be entertaining because of the matchups, like you said, but I think we'll in the end we'll know who's winning this series.
0: And I was so surprised that the the Bucks were not the Bucs were not attacking Peyton Pritchard at all last night. Like Peyton Pritchard, obviously in the absence of Marcus Smart. He's going to get his spot minutes here and there. He's going to hit shots. That's what he does. But nobody felt like was attacking him. Drew Holiday wasn't attacking him like you think he would. Like, that's a mismatch that you attack every time because, you know, that's a bucket. He, even if you try to play tough, that's a bucket every time, especially how big right. Drew Holiday is. So it was weird how they weren't taking advantage of that matchup. I think they start taking advantage of that matchup more. And that could obviously cause some double teams, swing, 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 some more threes for the Bucks. So, obviously, I think the Bucs hit a lot of threes from their role players in Game 1. That's why they won. Game 2, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum said, we ain't going to have none of that, and they came to play. How is the series going to tilt, though? Because I think this will tell us a lot, too, about the future of the NBA, and that's why I put the the battle of the face of the league. Because this could tell us who will be the, the supreme roadblock in the Eastern Conference. And once again, going back to the criteria of the face of the league, I think that's something that you have to have. So will it be Giannis that he will always be that roadblock that you have to go through? Or is it Tatum's time now? Is it the Browns? Is it the Celtics' time? Is it their time to be the roadblock in the Eastern Conference? I think this series will tell us a lot. I still like the Celtics, man. I picked the Celtics in seven, and I'm going to rock with that, bro. I'm still rocking with Celtics in seven.
1: When it comes to the face of the league right now, I think – Giannis, has, Giannis meets the criteria that you would expect for the face of the league of being the roadblock, being the person that gets to the conference finals or will get to the finals every year or every other year. Giannis fits that, but I think Ja, bro. Ja fits the personality that you expect from the face of the league. He fits the persona. He fits the swag. He fits the likability and the – just the culture aspect of what you would expect, the face of the league, the first player people run to, the first player people recognize. Ja is fitting more of that role right now, and Giannis is fitting the role of actually running shit in the East. So I think those two are probably the biggest two in the air. I know last year and the year before, I was saying Luca could be up in that conversation, but Luca low-key sliding down in that conversation right now of face of the league because Ja just came in and took off and but that's, but and that's but this is right what i'm saying though. On the, but that's, on side.
0: i think that's the point going in my direction because luca was the hot stuff his first few years he was in the playoffs he was killing the clippers in his first two playoff series but he wasn't winning enough so obviously he's still a great player probably in the top five but we're not viewing him in that face of the league conversation anymore it's like his name kind of fall off fell off like you said but Ja is kind of in that position right now where it's like, OK, you can ascend or you can be in that Luca tier. Still a great tier. You're still facing the league potential, but you're going to be in there where ah, you kind of fall off. You don't really meet the criteria. So he has to show us if he can meet the criteria at this point. I think both Luca and Ja are in that position right now, especially if Luca can turn the series around with the Suns and make some shake. Or if Ja can obviously win this series against the the favorite in the Warriors that can swing the face of the league conversation. I think excitement does bake into it a little bit, but I really think his roadblock, bro, just going through the the face of the league. Like I said, even Tim Duncan was face of the league at one point. You could say AI was for a, a few years. He was the person that changed the culture of the game, though, so that's why we really look at him. with Face of the league, culture, it's like he was kind of in that conversation, but who was running the league at that time? Probably Kobe and Shaq was really running the league. That was really the face of the league. But then you still had, after that, you had the Spurs was running the league. for. So you can say it was Tim Duncan, or you could say it was Kobe. And then you had Kobe had his period. Then you had Brian is still reigning right now. Now we're searching. You could give it to Giannis at this moment, but it's kind of up in the air, but I think the criteria stays the same. So we got to see somebody jump out from the pack, but it's a lot of good contestants. And I think that's what has a lot of people excited for the future of the NBA, because we just don't know who it's going to be, especially in the series like Butts versus Celtics, who's going to prevail. And then you got the, the young boy and John, we don't know what's going to happen, bro. So definitely an exciting thing. Moving on to the next series, we have the Mavs versus the Suns. Only have seen one game so far in this series. But what did that matchup really tell you about the future of this series?
1: I, I still got the Suns winning. I don't even think it's close. I just love the fact that Luca is going to still make this somewhat interesting. Um, I forty-five, it, I'm not giving nine, a and
0: twelve in the first game.
1: Yeah, he he's going to make this very interesting. But I just feel like the Suns, led by Chris Paul, like I, I just feel like this Suns team has what it takes.
0: Chris Paul had one hell of a game in that first game. Ayton had a big game, so everybody really contributed. I know the score probably looked closer than what it was. It was like a seven-point loss, but the Suns thoroughly dominated that game, even though Luka had 45, 12, and 9. He went crazy, but the Suns dominated. If the Mavs want to even be a part of this series, they have to get more from Brunson, bro. Brunson or Denwitty, and I think it has to be Brunson, though. We've seen in that first matchup what he's capable of, Now you have to do it against a tougher Suns team. Are you capable of doing it? So that's what we have to see. If he doesn't show up, I think this series can get out of hand real quick, especially with game two tonight. But if he shows up and gives you 20 to 25, now we're looking at a more competitive game. And I also think we're still having a problem with the Mavs of relying too much on Luka. In that first series, we kind of seen them sharing the rock around. We seen Brunson with the ball in his hands a little bit more. I think Brunson was also in foul trouble in game one, so that's maybe why we're seeing so much Luka. But we're seeing too much of that. We got to see more of a balance, bro. We got to see more of a balance because once it starts to stick to one player, everybody else kind of gets disconnected. In that first mm-hmm. series, everybody was moving, but we got to see everybody connecting. I think when Brunson and Luka are both on the ball and both involved, I think that's the best for the team. But I still think the Suns win, obviously. It's just they, it's just too much. It's just too much, bro. It's tough. To get everything, especially when you're going against a, a fully loaded team. I mean, they got defenders, they got shooters, they got a big man that's elite at this point. They got the one of the best backcourts in the league, I, I think, as a team and coaching wise. I would go with the the Suns once again. So, ah, yeah. And moving on to the Heat versus Sixers series, I saved this for last because the game two is just coming into an end right now. I think we're up by 10 man. We ain't worried
1: about this shit. We sweeping the Sixers. I'm not hearing it. We sweeping these niggas. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Nah, if B's bro, not see, playing. I don't see, care.
0: See, 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 because that's what y'all do. Y'all see NBA ain't playing, but y'all don't know that the Heat, the Heat, bro. We've dropped teams to. We've dropped games to teams like this, bro. We're so that's why I was sweeping- scared. No I'm, the, no, I'm not gonna
1: no, I'm not gonna let Chrissy scare y'all like this. He's up and down every week with these niggas. Next week, he's gonna be satisfied that we're up 2-0, and he's gonna be saying the same thing as me. We are sweeping the 76ers. It's two minutes left in the game, and it's an 11 point difference. So that's the only reason he's on edge right now. I promise you, once the game over, he's gonna be like, Oh, yeah, we two up, we got this. So I'm gonna <laughs> calm y'all down now before he rile y'all up. We finna be up to shit, and
0: we finna sweep the 76ers. That's my opinion. Uh Yeah, man. you you probably right, man. you probably right about that shit. you probably exactly. right about that shit. But, <laughs> exactly. But this, is the, this is the thing about this series, because, yes, it obviously is leaning heavy in the Heat's favor. The Heat should get them out of there in five games, honestly. Because it's the thing is, I say five because we don't know if Embiid will return. We're hearing that it's a possibility that he could come back for game three. But I just heard something from Chris Haynes that said that, he, today was the first day that he can open his eyes and not be irritated by light. So, if today is his first day that he's not being irritated by light, like he's still in the early stages of the concussion protocol. And obviously, with the fracture and his orbital bone and in his skull, really, that's something that you have to work back from. He had this injury before and he missed three weeks, and they're trying to rush him back in a week. So, I don't know how safe that is for Embiid, and I don't know how likely it is he gets back by game three, but it's just definitely going to be something to see because. We have nobody to stop that, man. I've said it multiple times this year. Nobody can stop Embiid, bro. Even Bam, who's one of the best defenders in the league. So that trying to change the dynamic. If he does not play in this series, I probably would save a sweep. But it really depends on somebody like an Embiid, bro. But that's it, bro.
1: Because I mean, even if he comes back with the mask, like you said, they're trying to rush him back this time when it took him like three weeks the last time this injury happened. So And he had the mask then, but it made sense because he took the actual time. Now, if you're rushing him, if he gets not even a little bit in the face with that mask on and he's not fully healed, you, you risk injuring your best player even more than what he already is. So I think we got to look at James Harden like, well, shit, what are you going to do? And it's a lot of question marks on Harden right now. And I think everybody's very quiet about this. And I don't like it because we had this conversation before before the playoffs started, that's that's Who been the I talk see?
0: of the that's been the talk of the week. The here, of the week. Man, that's been the talk of the bro after nah, game bro. one. They was talking nah, about nothing. Nah, that bro. was slander of Harden after game one, bro. Nah, it was slandering harden.
1: Nah, bro. I don't even have to watch <laughs> shows to hear slander from other people. I see it on the TL with ease. The TL <laughs> been real quiet about Harden. I ain't seen nothing about that, man. So if I just say watching the shows, that's different.
0: See, this is the thing about Harden, bro. I honestly don't know what to say. Y'all know I'm a, I'm a Harden fan. I'm a Harden guy, but I honestly have no excuses. We said coming into the season, you had everything that you needed. You wanted to leave uh, Brooklyn. You had a good a team over there. You wanted to leave. You wanted to come to Philly. This is the situation that you laid for yourself. Obviously, you didn't see Joel Embiid going out, but obviously we expect for James Harden, especially in a position like this, to step up to the plate, and he just hasn't, bro, flat out. People keep saying he's not capable of it. It's not this, is that, that. I honestly don't know what it is. I'm not going to act like I'm a doctor. I don't know, but I, I just don't know. Is it burst? Is it still that hamstring injury taking care of the body? I don't know, bro. But he does not look like the same heart in that we've grown accustomed to, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's capability or he just doesn't want to do it. But it, it looks tough for the, the 76ers because this is something that the 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 shows were really blowing um talking about really it was the contract situation so he has a player option after this year so he can opt into it and get almost 50 million next year but after that if you're the 76ers do you sign him back after what you've seen or do you pay him 200 million like you probably were going to seeing this version of Harden is he capable of being your number two like it's a lot of questions up in the air right now and a lot of questions going on in Philly saying that would they sign him back
1: He could be a number two, but you definitely got to lower that contract price. Like, he ain't getting max number two deals based off of what we're seeing right now. And I just think that's just because, like like I said, he was one of my top three players that I said had most pressure coming into the playoffs. I said Kevin Durant, James Harden, and I forgot who's who's the third player that I said. But there's no excuse right now. I need to at least see you going off, even if it doesn't translate to a win. I need to know that you're here and you're making some type of noise. I'm not going to be one of those people that's been questioning whether or not James Harden can still do this. I'm pretty sure we can get multiple forty-point games out of James Harden. I don't know if they'll be as consistent, but at least in this series, like just I need like, to like see tonight, one. bro,
0: like tonight, he has twenty points, nine assists on six of fifteen shooting. So See, he's not even as done, efficient. Bro. He's not, he's not even as efficient as he used to be. Like Harden and Houston was efficient as hell. I don't know if it's the the the, the, the rule changes or what, but we're not seeing that same player. The step back threes ain't falling. So it's like, are you not capable? Or is it is it fall the time? Like, we don't know. It's like because earlier in the season, it's still like he had some juice though. So that's why I'm like, how in a couple of months you just don't have it anymore when he had the juice when he was in Brooklyn? So that's why I don't want to just dive right in with the, oh, he's lost it all. Oh, he's not the same player. Right. Because I just seen it a few months ago. Does he need an offseason to fully regain? I don't know. But for him to be given 20-point games in a pressure moment where your team needs you, you're coming up short, bro, flat out. Especially when you got this pressure on you. You're coming up
1: short. Tyrese Maxey cannot be the best player on the court right now. We love Maxi. We love him getting buckets. But James Harden needs to be the best player for the 76ers until Joel Embiid returns, and that just has not happened yet.
0: Yeah, because like like you ended up bringing up like last week or two weeks ago, like are we going to get to a point where Tyrese Maxi has to be the clear number two or at least the number two scorer over Harden, and Harden just want to play the, the PG role? Has he got comfortable just facilitating? Because he getting the nine assists, he averaging 10 assists, you know what I'm saying, and it's funny because so many people saying he dropped off. He's still averaging twenty two, seven, and ten. Like it, it, you know what I'm saying. For a lot of people, that's that's yeah, a I say that, that's a year. career high but, for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So he's still giving you those type of numbers, but to the the standard that we have for Harden, it's not the, the the exponential expectations. So it's it's something that we definitely have to continue to look into. But especially when you talk about contracts and money, if you're not gonna step up to the plate in these type of situations, people are gonna start playing with your money, bro. Oh, we was gonna give you two hundred. Well, let's lower that down to 150 because we don't know if you're capable of that. So, I know James Harden is somebody who loves his cheese. So, is that going to be something like a motivation like, hey, let me start playing better to get my cheese right and secure this bag? So, I don't know. But just going back to the series, I think the Heat do get him in four or five depending on if Embiid comes back. And one more thing, just to speak on the Heat a little bit, love what I'm seeing out of Bam. I'm seeing a way more aggressive BAM this series. Obviously, he's not he doesn't have to go against them NB, so shit is way easier, especially when he's going against players his height and players that can't handle him. You know what I'm saying? He still has his frustrating moments here and there, but that's just BAM at this point. I just got to accept the shit. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> it's annoying as fuck. But Hero, what did I tell y'all about Hero, man? I, I, I truly believe that he will be the key. Jimmy Butler is our best player, but the most important player, is Tyler Hero. He is. Because when nobody expects, or when the, the game slows down, when you're in a half-court offense, the person that always shows up is Tyler Hero. And it's That's every game hero. this season. Every year this season, the person and when the game slows down, when you need a bucket, it's been Hero, bro. Jimmy has been up and down when it comes to clutch shots, but it's been Hero showing up every time, bro. I think our best player is Jimmy. I think our most valuable player is Bam Adebayo. But I think the most important player, Especially when you talk about somebody, if you got to go up against the Bucks or you got to go up against the Celtics, bro, who got defenders everywhere. I know he's a, he loves the screens, but somebody who's going to get a bucket and he's your most smart player is Tyler Hero, bro. Obviously, congratulations to him for six man of the year as well.
1: I was just about to say congratulations to him for that. But this is why I've been telling you, bro. They cannot trade Hero. But they if we see... trade him for
0: a Donovan, it's different if we trade him for a Donovan, no, bro.
1: No, bro. Donovan going to give you that. No, bro. I'm telling you, Tyler Hero could be a friend, a true franchise player for the Miami Heat. He could be a cornerstone player for the heat. I think they see the potential that I see in him, and that's why they will not give this man up when it comes down to it during um free agency period and trading time and all of that. I don't think they will give up Tyler Hero because, You're giving up a cornerstone of your franchise. You look for, as an organization, you look for certain players that you know can be here for a while. I know the goal is to get championships and trade certain really good players to make that happen. You make it happen. But there are also certain really good players that you keep and you just try your hardest not to get rid of. And I think Hero fits in that category because I was talking to Jasmine, Jasmine Harper, I was talking to her, I think, yesterday or earlier today or something, and she was saying she would get rid of Lowry, Duncan, and a bench player and maybe a pick or two for Donovan Mitchell just to keep on what you call it. I would get rid of Lowry to get Donovan Mitchell to pair up with Bam, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero. That's way better.
0: Why Why would the Jazz want that, though? Get
1: rid of Duncan. You said why would the Jazz want that?
0: The Jazz want somebody who's young, like a hero. Hero fits the description for what they want. Lowry got two years left in the league before he probably done. And the, the reason why Lowry came to Miami was to play with Jimmy. Jimmy is the, the godfather of his kid. It's a relationship there. That's why Lowry can't really be traded for real.
1: Man, I'm telling you, you got to keep Hero. If you're the Heat, hold on to Hero, bro. That is your big joker. That's your big joker in your hand of spades right now. Do not get rid of Hero. I'm telling you. Maybe you the little a different Joker could be the big Joker. But he is a <laughs> Joker for sure in your hand. I promise you.
0: are going to have a different tone when somebody like Donovan Mitchell on your team, bro. I'm telling you. It's going to be a different tone because this is this is the problem I have with Hero. Obviously, Hero has been playing great for us. I love Hero. But it's the fact of how much money you will have to pay Hero, bro. Like I'm, the, the money I'm hearing to keep Hero is crazy, bro. I'm hearing that he' about to get Bam money, so I'm about to give my six man Bam money. No fucking. If he the man. reason y'all staying in games and the reason you no, win but that's what I'm saying. If you can upgrade, if you can upgrade and get somebody better than a hero, get that player, bro. Because this is this is my thing with the Heat, with the nucleus that you have in place, you're not winning a title. And what did I keep saying last year? Jimmy is not getting younger, bro. You have to go for it now. And with Donovan Mitchell is high key of balance because you get to go for it now with a top 20 player in the league and you have a future with him, with him and bam. So you have two stars in them. And then you can also go for it right now. We talk about championships. I think you need stars in this league. Jimmy is not going to be enough. I think whoever wins that bucks and Celtics series, honestly is going to the finals. I truly believe that. But I think th- the reason is because we don't have somebody like a Donovan Mitchell who we can say, get a ball to and just say, get us a bucket. Obviously, it's Hero right now, but I don't like that right now with my six man being my best scorer. That's not going to win you a championship, and that's not going to have you beating the Bucks or the Celtics next round. So that's why I'm saying you need to upgrade in that department. I love Hero just to state that once again. He's a hooper for sure. Wherever he gets traded to, he's going to flourish. He's going to be a starter and all of that. But for the, for the heat right now, you have to upgrade. What's to somebody like a Donovan Mitchell, that type of caliber, bro. So I think he's just the mix that you're looking for. If you can get a Brandon Ingram, obviously that's my choice. But if you can get him, obviously go for Brandon Ingram. But Donovan Mitchell is the person that's most likely going to want out. Get Donovan Mitchell. So it's a, it's a tricky situation, but hey, I think you got to make tough decisions in this league. And Pat is known for making some of the toughest decisions every year, <laughs> most likely. So <laughs> so we're gonna make we're gonna uh, we're gonna definitely see what happens in this offseason, but. Moving on to the NFL Draft, just to speak on that again, after talking about the winners and losers of the first round, what other takeaways did you have from the rest of the draft? Uh,
1: Oh, shout out to Kalen, Kalen Tolson. Uh, that's my dog, damn near like a little brother to me. Uh, he got signed with the Panthers. He was an undrafted free agent. So I might have to get a Panthers jersey, even though I'm a Bucks fan. I'm only doing it because I'm a dog. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I wanted to bring that up because you're a Panthers fan, so I wanted to get your reaction on that.
0: I'm a semi-Panthers fan, but yeah. You got a Steve Smith poster in your room.
1: You are, you are a Panthers fan. You're not
0: going to do that. <laughs> I'm a semi-Panthers fan. But, uh, but, yeah, but yeah, definitely shout out to my man for sure, man. A lot of people's dreams came true, so definitely shout out to uh, a lot of folks. But definitely from, from being from the bird. And a lot of the teams that we honestly talked about last week still really won the draft. I think we talked about Baltimore. I think we talked about the Jets. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh the Lions. We talked about like a million 50 million damn picks. yeah you know what i'm saying like we talked about a lot we talked about a lot of teams man but i still go back and look at green bay as like my my biggest loser bro like because you didn't get somebody elite they ended up picking somebody at the the top of the the second round so at least they picked somebody that could end up helping the team but i thought Mm. you had to go for the elite of the elite wide receivers and i just didn't see the aggressiveness for the team It's like they they cool with where they at for real and it's just like I think the teams in their division are going to be way closer to them than what they're expecting right now. I think the Vikings going to get them a run for their money. Even the Lions, who had an excellent draft, getting some of the best players in Jamison Williams. Whoa, whoa.
1: I'm, oh, telling you, oh, please, oh, I'm, no. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, look, it's the Lions. It's be, you saying Calm that? Down. I knew you
0: were going to say this. No, I'm not like, let me get my shit off. Let me get my shit off real quick. Am I saying the Lions going to take the division? No. But we seen how scrappy them boys were last year, and they got even more talent on top of that. So we're going to have y'all. Y'all going to be in dog fights with the Lions with y'all receiving core. Y'all about to be in dog fights with the Lions. So I, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the rest of the division kind of catching up, bro. The
1: lions, like, <laughs> the lions biting I, ankles. The Lions Like I said, they I still gonna be
0: <laughs> seven and nine, six and ten, something like that. But the fact that y'all dropping down, y'all dropping to the rest of the pack when y'all were so clear and far ahead of them, y'all right. dropping back to where the the Vikings and the Lions are capable of beating y'all on any given Sunday. And one another huge takeaway from this draft was the slip in quarterbacks. Really, man, like. A lot of the quarterbacks ended up slipping. Obviously, we had one in the first round and Kenny Pickett getting taken by the Steelers, but we had a lot of people slip back. I mean, people like a Malik Willis. He was rumored to be a top 10 pick going into the draft. He slipped to the third round. Matt Corral was somebody who was rumored early in the pre-draft process as a first rounder. Slips to the third round. Sam Howell, who was projected to be the number one pick coming into the college football season, was in the fourth round. So that it just shows you how... I, I think it also showed you how many quarterbacks are in this league and how many teams are really, really stacked at that position. They're not really mm-hmm. desperate for somebody to come in and really save their team. And it also told you about this quarterback class, how a lot of people just didn't jump at the chance. We not we don't want to go get our quarterbacks now because the lions definitely could have got a quarterback, especially when you got Jared Goff and some other teams that could have got a quarterback, but this class obviously didn't do it for the, the teams here next year. Probably going to be better, but, That was one of my biggest takeaways. I did not expect that at all, especially Malik Willis. That shit was crazy. And
1: and that was something I was wondering, too. You know, is it really that the QB class isn't like that this year? Or to your point, all the teams that are good and would need a quarterback, they have their quarterback. Every contending team in the AFC and NFC has their quarterback. Even if you're the Vikings, you got Captain Kirk. You could have went for a quarterback. But they say, hey, we're just going to keep the battle going with Captain Kirk because we know Green Bay, they slipping down, like you said, the Lions are the Lions, and Justin the field, we ain't got to worry about the Bears. So the Vikings felt like, yeah, hey, we can just play with Kirk Cousins. The The Lions could have um, got somebody and just sat them behind Jared Goff, and hopefully that um leads to him being gone in the near future. There, There's a couple of teams that could have got a quarterback, but... I think it's more so just because most teams didn't, like you said. Yeah, the QB class wasn't too crazy this year talent-wise, but it's mainly because most of these teams just already have their quarterback set. Damn near even their second-string quarterback set already. Yeah,
0: because we honestly hear that shit every year. They be like, oh, this one." it's usually one prospect that sticks out above the rest, and usually everybody is like, uh having conflicting thoughts about the other quarterbacks like oh they hire on some people's board or they're lower on other people's boards Mm. but this year was like a consensus like oh none of these dudes are worth a first first round pick and moving on to another conversation i seen this week was levine to the lakers so this is something i had ended up seeing it was reported by The Athletic and also by ESPN. So it says the report says Zach Levine is eyeing the possibility of joining the Lakers this summer through a sign-and-trade deal, according to ESPN. Levine has the same agent as LeBron James, and two years ago, Levine said, I would love to go out there and play with LeBron. Edgar, how how foreseeable and how much of a chance do you give this scenario to actually happen with the Levine to the Lakers trade? Mm.
1: Levine, shit, do you give up AD at that point? Mm. You got to. Zach Levine is proven he's worth an AD trade. So you're. if I'm the Lakers, I'm taking everybody young.
0: You're trading right. AD for Zach?
1: Yeah, to pair with LeBron, yes. AD,
0: AD hurt half
1: of the damn time. Anyway, <laughs> what are we really losing? Like, what are you losing with that? Like, I, I, I get it. On AD's best, healthiest day, he's top 10 in the league. I get it. But when have we seen that AD last? I, I can't remember. I truly can't consistently. So I, I just think it's a it's a decision you got to make. I know Westbrook and Melo, them boys got to get going. Like, they need to get all this veteran um veteranship off of the team over this offseason. I think they need to do a bunch of trades to make their core young. If they want LeBron to stay in L.A., you know, for another however many years. So I think Zach Levine, the best way for him to come is to trade Anthony Davis and get whatever, um, what's it Get whatever picks you can get with Zach Levine.
0: And this is something that was also connected in the article. It says that Levine says it's, it has been a long time or it has long been speculated that Levine is unhappy in Chicago now that DeMar DeRozan has overtaken him as the number one option. Levine is an unrestricted free agent this year and recently said, I plan to enjoy free agency. And he did end up saying that he said that he really was testing his free agency. He's not really trying to rush back to um the Bulls or anything like that. So he's really trying to see what is out there for him. It's not a lot of teams that have cap space, but if somebody can make something shake with a sign and trade deal, Levine is, bro, he's an elite scoring an all-star in this league, bro. So you getting somebody off the bat can, that can be something, especially like a, if he can be your number three, that's probably the, the best if he can be your number three. Number two, I can understand it. For sure, I can understand him as a number two. But whoever can swing that trade, I like it, bro.
1: I can understand him as a number two because especially we talking about um, the Lakers possibly getting Quinn Snyder as a coach. Like, I feel like an offense that Snyder can run with Zach Levine as the number two, LeBron as the one. And, you know, um, with the rest of the court that the Lakers got.
0: But that's the um, thing with the trade, bro. It's like, yeah. Because I don't know if they traded AD for Levine or bro. I think they're trying to get Westbrook off not, not hands. on Not face.
1: Not not straight face for face. It's definitely gonna be like picks associated with it. I I wouldn't say just do a straight up face trade. No.
0: But even still, bro, you giving up on A D like that? Yes. For Levine? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Damn,
0: bro. Are we younger at that point and, where, are we at that younger point? Younger and healthier. AD?
1: Yes. Yes. We're at that point. Mm. Ad, I'm not saying Ad can't be a number one player on a team, but he's hurt way more than Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid gets hurt quite a bit. Like, but we know come playoff time, Joel Embiid is as healthy as possible, unless an injury, like um what just happened the other day, happened with his face and whatnot. But Anthony Davis, bro, I just I can't keep defending him. My mama been calling Ad out for years to keep fighting for this nigga. <laughs> and he's proving her right every single time so i i just i don't know i don't know bro because i heard steven A. no talking about um trading lebron and this that and the third just to re- restart with the lakers and what you're lebron will never be traded that is one <laughs> unless he wants he's to be the, traded <laughs> i'm about to say he's one of the few players in nba history that will never be traded he'll leave whenever he wants to leave <laughs> But AD, he he on the trading block, bro, in my opinion. Along with Westbrook, along with Melo. Actually, if you could let them walk, you ain't even got to worry yeah. about trading them now. Now, Westbrook gonna
0: be on for next year. So Westbrook is for sure gonna be on the team next year, unless you trade him, obviously. But he's he's for sure had his contract. Yeah, it's not, it's not up. He got one more year on his contract. So you got you gotta have him. That's why I said they they wanna trade Westbrook. He's they wanna throw him into the deal, but. The, why would the Bulls want Westbrook? <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, damn. It so it might have right. to be. That's why. That's why I'm like I kind of lean to. If this is true, obviously we don't know if the report is true. But if this is true, it's like damn. If you the Bulls, I mean, you have to. You have to ask about AD. That has to be the goal.
1: But the Bulls are the Bulls aren't going to let that happen. But the Lakers do need to consider trading AD to get somebody like a Zach Levine or somebody to that extent if they want LeBron to have a chance to lead them to the uh to the finals again.
0: But do you think Levine should want out of Chicago, or do you think that's probably the situation that's right for him?
1: I honestly think he could stay in Chicago and still make it work.
0: But do you think that's the best situation for him?
1: Yeah, because just because DeRozan Eaton, that don't mean you can't still be effective. That don't mean you can't still get, like, 25 points a game. Like, I, I get it. He may want to be the number one player, but the best option for you right now is probably – just staying with the Bulls and letting that three-head monster of you, DeRozan and Vucevic, really get some practice together, really get some reps together, and learn how to make that work. I feel That's why I was on the Bulls earlier this season, because I feel like, bro, this this could really work. This could be a situation where DeRozan can just play his game, Levine can just play his, and Vucevic can crash off of the boards and just be the big man that they need. I thought it would work, but it didn't. It fell off the further they got into the season. But I think if they just stay together and just try to make that gel, it could work. But if he wants out, he's gonna be number two on the Lakers. Like LeBron is still gonna be the number one oh, option. Sure. They may feed you, they may feed you more during the regular season, but when playoff time comes, we know who the rock. Going to
0: oh for sure, for sure, man. That's that's an interesting conversation to have, bro. Like damn, Levine. I cause, what other, cause Obviously, any team can use a Levine, a scorer like Levine. What do you go to wanna come on the men. Shit, we good in Miami. We can come on the men, but other than that, I don't know. I was gonna really say, would you at.
1: would you put them on the um would you put them on the maths with Luca?
0: Oh that
1: shit sounds solid. That's, that's it. that's
0: that's interesting. That's I would look into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. I actually like that especially if you let if you let Brunson walk, walk, especially if you let Brunson walk. It's like okay, yeah. Now you got enough money because you're gonna pay Brunson some money anyway to want him to stay. So if you don't sign him, I think the priority could be for them to sign Levine. If they don't get Levine, they go to Brunson. That could be the conversation that they're having right now. So that's what I like that. I'm thinking. I'm
1: thinking of the maths or
0: ooh the Grizz. Ooh, would, he he slide he slide gra- would he slide to the ground? Whoa, would he slide to the ground? That would be crazy. Who you tra- I gotta look up contracts. I gotta look up contracts. Hold on. I gotta look up contracts. Memphis Grizzlies Cap Space.
1: Can you can you keep Desmond Bain and still get Zach Levine? Mm,
0: it depends. If you got a trade for him, or if you gotta if you if you can just sign him outright, that's the difference. So ooh, if ooh, you, you got a trade him.
1: for him, that's the question I'm asking.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's why I'm trying to look into the, the cap space right now. See if they got enough. Ooh, they got enough money, too, bro. Ooh. They can sign. They're not signing nobody. They don't got nobody they paying. They paying. Oh, yeah.
1: That's they, a legit all, question. The only person man, they
0: yeah. paying is Jaron Jackson, Jr. He making 23. Steven oh, Stephen Adams getting 17, locking the book. Some bros making 11. John making 12. But, you know, he about to get a huge contract extension. Mm-hmm. But uh, they got cap space, bro. So if they want to make that move, that's... And they need so a the score Mavs, like LeBee.
1: Either the Mavs <laughs> or the Grizz. That's what? gonna be. Ooh, those are the two teams, bro. Those are the two teams. I, I ain't even. I ain't even looking at the Lakers no more. The Mavs or the Grizz. Those are the two teams. Whoa,
0: and those are probably the two teams, like you said, that they can he can sign to outright. Because I don't know who the Mavs are actually playing right now, other than Luca. They're not paying nobody else. I think they're paying Tim Hardaway Jr. some money. I think Dinwiddie is on a huge deal, which is kind of annoying. Let me look at the Mavericks' cap before we move on. Ah, oh, no, they ain't got no. Che- they got more money on their books next year. God damn! No, no, they ain't got no cheese. They damn. would have to trade for him. They would have to trade for him. So if there was like a sign and trade with Brunson or something, so they can Tim make Tim Hardaway some work, Jr. With that, gonna be
1: on that deal. They gonna yeah, Tim
0: Hardaway, Hardaway Jr. probably would be in that. Tim Hardaway Jr. would definitely be in that. But yeah, Luca making 35 next year. Tim Hardaway making 19. Den Wade making 18. Berton's making six. Oh, yeah. They got to pay some people. Yeah. So they would have to be a sign and trade. It would have to be a sign and trade. Damn. So the Grizz, the Grizz. Damn. I like the Grizz. Bro. Like <laughs> <laughs> that would be something, bro. That, that definitely would be something. Uh, Moving on to social media wants to know. I to oh, ask I got a question, question
1: for you, though. Oh, I got a question for you because yo boy, yo guy, I'm not saying, but Ryan, Ryan Tannehill with that whack ass statement, boy. Oh, oh, you got it on the dock. You got it on the dock. Go ahead. Go ahead and ask the question. Go ahead, cause I wouldn't call it. All right, name, name. bro. You go
0: ahead. All right, bro. Should you have to mentor the backup? And Ryan Tannehill came out with some comments earlier this week saying that it's a competition between starter and backup. We're doing the same drills, we're running the same plays. I shouldn't have to mentor him. He said, if if he learns something from me, that's great, but I I shouldn't be, it's not my job to mentor him. And that came with a lot of backlash, obviously. So, how do you feel about it?
1: I sided with Kurt Warner. When Kurt Warner came out and was basically saying, you know, that's just part of, what makes certain players great. Just being willing to be that OG to a lot of these younger players that come in. That's like if that's like if T.O. was on a, on a team and uh, whether the Cowboys 49ers, whatever team he may be on, they draft a, a good ass wide receiver and T.O. just got an attitude of, man, I ain't finna pay attention to do, I ain't finna help do blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you, we get it. Like you don't want him to take your position, but I feel like that has to come with some level of mentorship, bro. You have to be willing to pass the game on to somebody that's coming after you. Like, you ain't got to deadass, like, just be their mentor and just groom them to replace you. But if they ask you questions on how to, like, yeah. maneuver through certain situations, yeah. Then, then, yeah, like, I feel like that counts as mentorship. Because the way Ryan, that's what, that but that's what end. he
0: said, though. He said if he learned something from me, that's great. But that's not no, my job, bro, though. Not. Oh, put my put my hand over your shoulder and say, Oh, bro, oh, you're gonna be my best buddy in the locker room. Nah, no, bro. and this is and this is the thing, this is what I got to say about it. Because I seen y'all was on my man Tanny, man. I, I seen y'all was on his head. At first, I sat back and I said, Damn, tanny, that is a little fucked up, but then I thought about what he actually said though. And what he said actually makes sense, especially coming off the playoffs that he just had, where he had three picks in the in the whatever that was the second round a lot of people are calling for his head so bringing in somebody that could possibly replace me i'm not going to help him replace me Shit, i don't i don't want my job taken for some young buck that has a lot of talent in, in a malik willis so i understand his mentality is it fucked up maybe but i think his mentality is in the right place maybe we get a better ryan Tannehill because he has some actual competition that can take his place I don't think you have to mentor the next guy. I think if you ask you questions, yes, that that's great. Obviously, have that camaraderie. Obviously, if he wants to ask me a question, but it's not his job to put his arms around, bro, and say, "Oh, I'm gonna teach you the game, this, that, the third. Because, like he said, y'all doing the same shit. We learn the same drills, and you're my competition at the end of the day. Just because you're my teammate, bro, I can't look at you like you buddy, buddy, especially when I'm I'm a I'm on the, I'm, I'm on the line right now, especially after the playoffs. He on he on the he on the chopping block. And I think a lot of people aren't thinking about that, bro. If it's a Tom Brady, if it's an Aaron Rodgers, if it's one of the top quarterbacks in the league, they probably mentoring the backup because they know their spot not going to get taken. But somebody like a Ryan Tannehill, he knows that his job can possibly be taken if he uh, starts to slip this season and Malik Willis is somebody who's looking good in practice. He knows his spot can be taken. So that's why he has the mentality like, "Oh no, I'm not going to help him take my spot." So that's why when I thought about it, I said, "No, Tanny right." Because it's not like Tanny's position is secure in Tennessee right now. I
1: don't know, bro. I, I think that counts as a level of mentorship. Like when it even when it's just the um just the backup asking you questions, just trying to pick your brain and whatnot. Because when you say he say he ain't really trying to mentor him, that made me think, well, like, damn, what if he come to you with questions. That's making it sound like you ain't going to try to answer him. You ain't going to try to help him or whatever. That's that's the energy he gave off. So I I do understand the point you're making, but I feel like it was a better way he could have said it. Like he could have really just tried to play it off, or he could have just straight up lying and said, yeah, you know, I'll I'll mentor him or whatever and help him out, like you
0: know, because it's been other quarterbacks that have said the same. I mean, Brett Favre has said it. I think I think even Aaron Rodgers, to a certain degree, has said it, but it hasn't been in these cutthroat of lines where it's like I'm not mentoring this dude at all. It hasn't been cutthroat like that. But they've said these words in certain ways. it's,
1: It's better ways to say it, like because you you have a right to not mentor him if you don't want to, but to just publicly say that, like there's just certain ways you say things and it's just certain things you do and don't say. And I think that was one of those things where it's like, Hey bro, that's probably not the best thing to say, especially in the situation you're in where we know you really fight in your position. It's like, damn, like you finna just come out to the media and be cut though against the dude who just got drafted. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just felt it was a better but way. That, to that's that the
0: situation. mentality you have to, I think that's how you stay in the league because once you start to get buddy, buddy with these dudes, that's how they take your spot. That nigga Drew Bledsoe was probably buddy buddy with Tom Brady till he took his damn spot. He probably was buddy buddy with Brady ass, <laughs> but you taught Brady too much fucking game and he took your fucking spot, you bitch. So I think Ryan Tannehill is keeping the same fucking energy, bro. Tom Brady was round six, picked 199. Like, of he round on three. Because <laughs> look, bro, look. And, and it's funny how similar those two situations are because for the Patriots, they just signed Drew Bledsoe to a contract extension. So it's like this is our quarterback of the future. Tannehill just got signed to a contract extension last year, before last year. So he just got signed. Bledsoe got his spot taken the year they gave him a contract. And they still took, gave his spot to Brady. Same thing with Tannehill. They will replace you, bro, if they think he's the better option. They will. So like I said, I'm not mad at Teddy for keeping this mentality. I actually applaud it. But I think we get a better Ryan Tannehill because he has some actual competition that will push him to the next level. So, I think this, he will be a quarterback to look out for coming into this season.
1: Well, if we I don't, actually him. I mean, you playing trash, and you ain't trying to help the next man. <laughs> <God> <laughs>
0: damn. Hey, I can't <laughs> defend him, <laughs> him at that point. <laughs> I can't defend him at that point. I can't defend him. If you playing trash and you, he looking better, hey, I might be calling for your head, too, got, Teddy. I love that. Got today.
1: seven picks by game four. Like, damn, <laughs> like, should you have been mentoring this man?
0: <laughs> and this is another thing with the Titans too. They drafted one round hmm. receiver, wide receiver. But and you and you lose AJ Brown, they lost AJ Brown, and they I think they ended up trading for Robert Woods, but they traded somebody else because you had AJ Brown, you let go of Julio, Julio was hurt most of the year anyway. But it's like, damn, you don't really got a lot of uh, wide receiver options, really, for Tannehill either. So it's like, damn, is the Tennessee Titans trying to tell us something? Do you want my man to look bad? That's probably why he coming out saying this shit, because y'all want me to look bad for this nigga to be the starter. So, Tanny probably already seeing between the lines already. <laughs> Derek Henry uh,
1: just sitting back like this. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> we still I guess gonna that means I'm running for, i make the for. I'm about to say, I guess that means I'm running for 1200 easy this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we still gonna make the playoffs on my back, I guess. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And uh, another question that I have for social media wants to know was, is Paul George the smoothest player of all time? So this conversation came up because Jalen Brown was looking saucy last night. He was having some good moves. And I think Dev in the lab ended up tweeting out that by the end of Jalen Brown's career, he's going to have one of the smoothest highlight tapes. When you look back at his mixtape and say, damn, he he dropped. He had one of the smoothest games ever. And people kept telling him, Paul George. He's the smoothest player that's ever played this game because he was calling out the similarities between him and Paul George. And everybody was like, Paul George is probably the smoothest player to ever touch a basketball to do what he can do at 6'9", six, 6'10", six, cross over the handle. And it's so smooth, bro. It's it's Even somebody like a KD ain't as smooth as Paul George. It's just different at that size, bro. So do you think Paul George is the smoothest player ever? If not, then who?
1: I wouldn't say the smoothest. Damn, if I had to say the smoothest, who would it be? Paul George up there though for sure. Uh, damn, who would I put as the smoothest player? That's a tough question, bro. Kyrie, but this Kyrie is the thing got a smooth mixtape too now.
0: Kyrie, Kyrie got some game, but Kyrie so herky jerky. So, when I think about smooth, I think about, oh, that shit don't even like you breaking a sweat. Like, Paul George, like, he don't even like he breaking his sweat. He go across screens, he's snaking screens. And mm-hmm. that shit, like, he just doing that without breaking a sweat. That's why I think about when I think of smooth, Jalen Brown is kind of like that. Sometimes Jalen Brown can get out of control a little bit, so he doesn't look as smooth. But Paul George is somebody who looks in control and looks smooth at all times. But I, I would say KD there. Kyrie, KD, there. Too.
1: Kyrie, KD mm-hmm. Harden at one point. Like, Harden did even look like he was breaking a sweat half of the time with uh with that step-back era that he had. uh Who else? Who else? Damn. Who plays smooth for real? That's a That's real- That's what I'm quick. saying!
0: Who right now, smooth. it's Paul George, bro. No, look at his highlights. I wish I had his highlights. Jamal up, right? Crawford? Jamal Crawford?
1: My dog up there. Jay, Jay Crawford up, up there. there. He, he for up sure. there. Definitely got to make that a poll for sure.
0: Definitely interesting, bro. Because I don't think you can just give it to the the best scorers. Because I think some of the best scorers aren't smooth. They get buckets, yeah. but they aren't smooth. But mm-hmm. Paul George gets buckets, and they, and they they smooth. They just look easy. The game just look easy, bro.
1: Jordan not smooth at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
0: Jordan like, was John not, smooth, not smooth, smooth at
1: all. Yeah, Jordan was Jordan was a bucket but that shit was not smooth half of the time. Yeah, bro. Even when he would be wide open for a layup, like arms <laughs> going like he's serving dinner <laughs> trays, can't just be an easy-ass smooth finger roll. It's like, uh, uh, hands hurt, hands hurt, like you're yeah. by <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing?
0: All right, man, that's it for that segment. We're moving on to entertainment and current events, man. What we got first is that Dave Chappelle gets attacked on stage. Yeah, so Dave
1: Chappelle is on his Netflix is a joke comedy tour right now, and the last show that he just had the other night, an armed man I think had a gun and a knife and charged that Chappelle. I think did he tackle him? He tackled him, but I don't think he got him to the ground. But he did tackle he got him to the Dave ground. Chappelle, he did. Oh, okay, the video yeah. was unclear to me. I couldn't tell who that was. Honestly. It was a, it was
0: a separate video. It was a two minute long video. They actually okay. showed you everything that happened, and showed ah, you, it showed him get out of okay. the crowd and actually ran ran like up on the stage and uh, oh, tackled.
1: Yeah. Him. See, I I didn't see that video, but Jamie Foxx was there. Who else was there? Uh, Chris
0: Rock was Buster there called? apparently.
1: Chris Rock was there. Busta Rhymes, like a bunch of famous people, was helping jump this man that tackled Dave Chappelle, which left this dude on the stretcher with his arm like he was breakdancing because I guess they had his arm out of socket or whatever. But oh, be yeah, the they beat the hell were... out of this man. And Bro. then after it happened. Dave Chappelle gonna grab the mic and say it was a trans man. I'm telling
0: you, that's I thought. I thought. I thought that's why he ran up there because he was making jokes about certain shit like that. I thought that's why he ran up there. But it it was some information that came out on the shade room earlier today that said that he ended up making a diss track about Dave Chappelle. So he had prior beef with Dave Chappelle anyway. (laughs) I don't know if you want to call it beef because Dave Chappelle didn't even know this dude, but Dave Chappelle (laughs) he already had beef with him but I don't know. It was unclear what the song was really about, but it, it was just some weird energy between him and, and Dave Chappelle. And that's this why he got up on stage perfect. attacking him. This is
1: going to be perfect for the jokes for all his shows after
0: this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm bad, ready man. for another Dave Chappelle special, bro. It was hilarious. But the fact that Busta Rhymes and Jamie Foxx was helping security jump this man, like Dave Chappelle going to have stories for days when his career is over.
0: Bro, his arms look like a praying mantis, bro. His arms was like in running like he got bent up bro like a press mm-hmm. he ran up yeah. the, he ran up there and thought shit was sweet man <laughs> he ran up that shit was sweet bro because in the, in the video i seen dave chappelle he got tackled and then everybody like dragged dude like off of the the stage and dave mm-hmm. chappelle even ran to the back and got a few kicks in he was like oh he started stomping him before he ran back on stage <laughs> and made that trans joke so he oh, everybody shit. was stomping that man out in the back because you can clearly see him getting stomped out. Like, you yeah, you I seen see him getting stomped out. That yeah. shit was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I, was like, yes, man. I was like, damn, bro.
1: So now when you know you a, can beat somebody's ass and not go to jail, niggas participate freely. Damn, <laughs> no,
0: for real. So, Dave Chappelle. So, like I said, it was unclear what his motives was, but obviously he had some sort of pressure toward Dave Chappelle, some weird energy. Moving on, we got The Roe versus Wade overturned
1: yeah, so it says right here on NBC News and an unprecedented league political on Monday night published uh, what it said was a draft opinion indicating the Supreme Court will overturn the constitutional right to abortion enshrined nearly 50 years ago in Roe v. Wade. The document, reportedly written by Justice Samuel Alito and circulated in February, suggests that at least five justices side with Mississippi in a case pending before the court challenging the landmark 1973 abortion ruling. And I just wanted to talk about this because we just continue to tell women what to do with their bodies when it ain't our decision at the fuck all. Like, I seen somebody make a post on the, um I think it was on Twitter, and it got um posted by the Shade Room, and it said, if men could get pregnant, you could get birth control in 7-Eleven, every gas station, and every convenience store if men were able to get pregnant, bro. If it was like this for everybody, it would be a totally different sound. It would be a totally different tune. But another tweet, I think Denisha retweeted or liked or something It said, it's funny how we only try to give women control of their bodies when someone violates it first. And I think it related to, you know, situations where abortion may be accepted if it's somebody... Who gets raped, or somebody who, you know, whatever type of situation like that. It's like, oh, so we only give women rights to their bodies after they've been violated, not when they're just living their regular life as a human being. So, this whole situation of Roe versus Wade is just really sick to me. And again, it's a situation where it's a lot of old white men sitting in a room, and maybe one old white woman that come up with these situations that affect so many different cultures of women who don't usually half of the time even want to keep their kids you know it's a lot of women who get pregnant and they're like hey i'm not ready so it's like damn we're forcing women to have babies in a time where every state is expensive as hell right now florida is the most expensive state to live in right now and if this passes to where women just can't get abortions like you mean to tell me you got to live in the most expensive state can't really afford where you live in and you got to have a child what if you're in a situation where you you get pregnant and it wasn't your choice and something happened to you to where you got pregnant. You mean to tell me you have to have a baby and you have to have a struggling living situation? So the whole, all of this is just fucked up, in my opinion. Excuse me, in my opinion, the
0: because the adoption rate is definitely gonna go up if that's the case. If you're gonna make her have a baby, it's gonna lead to lead to more unfortunate situations like adoption. And I don't know if that's what they're trying to do or what, but the shit just weird, bro. Because we have this conversation before. I think Georgia was like the first state to like ban abortion and then it just continued to to grow since then and it, it's just sickening bro because we keep saying the same thing you can't have control over women's bodies but we they continue to make more rules and pass more laws that have more control over them it's like y'all trying to go backwards instead of progress forward when we talk about women's rights or just basic human rights in general for for black folks just talking about that point but this shit this shit is wild bro i, I just don't understand what we're doing as a country if we can't get this shit right, you know what I'm saying? Moving forward, right? So, shit is weird, bro.
1: And sometimes, like it, it ain't that complicated, bro. Like it's just, it's simple, right and wrong, at the end of the day. Like I, I understand you gotta have, um, you gotta have voting on it and this, that, and the third. But there has to be a moral compass people have to follow of what's just genuinely right and wrong. And I think in this situation, just telling women what they can and cannot do with their bodies like that has nothing to do with us as men that has nothing to do with us so it i don't know i just i don't like it it's just scary to to know like you're bringing kids into a generation or into generations that are gonna, are gonna have to fight harder for stuff like this to you know be dismissed if they end up passing stuff like this
0: yeah <laughs> shit is wild bro I, I honestly don't know where we go from here if shit getting overturned i've seen people like Whoopi goldberg have a lot to say on this topic, and and it's a it's a crazy thing bro because i know a lot of people in the past have gone through abortion because this is a real touchy subject for a lot of people so too and uh because when did this roe versus Wade come into effect
1: you mean like when it first came about yeah uh i think it said 1973 Somewhere around there? Yeah.
0: So for it to be for 50 years and now we reversing this shit entirely, it's like and once again, we, we just moving backwards, bro. Even with the moral compass shit, you would think even with the old white people, they would still understand that progress has to be attained somehow. And going right. backwards obviously isn't the solution for that. And I don't know how having more kids honestly helps this at all. Because something I was thinking about is that a lot of people is this more so population control because a lot of people died from COVID? So, are we trying mm-hmm. to replace that with the babies, be these new babies being born? Is this population control? You can't abort, but anybody. people
1: felt people felt COVID quote unquote was population control of getting rid of people. So, how are we going to have? Saying, population are they trying control to get more? Rid of that's what I'm
0: saying. I don't know. I, I just feel like that that's replenish. too quick
1: of a turnaround. That's too quick mm-hmm. of a turnaround. We can't have COVID be claimed as population control for lowering the amount of people and then literally two years later but at a say, at a nah, younger it's a younger thing
0: though. It's it's yes, people did die population control, but younger kids are being grown up though. So, I think it's more so about the, the demographic more so than the amount of people. They want more old mm-hmm. people, which are people, those are people that died from COVID, and they want more younger people to grow up in these systems. That's true. Even, even if it's not the, the best system, they just want more young people to grow up. As mm-hmm. what I said, it's all a demographic thing. Obviously, that's a conspiracy theory. None of this shit is true. But it's just something to think about, Cause This shit is highly suspicious how every goddamn country and how the Supreme Court just overturns this rule out of nowhere when it really was just a couple of states at first. Shit just is weird as fuck. So, yeah, it's something, something is going on behind closed doors that we don't know about. And moving on to the, the last thing is a legacy talk featuring the Fairly Odd Parents.
1: So, the Fairly Odd Parents got a new show that came out, I want to say... It came out March thirty first, twenty twenty two. This shit is terrible. It's a live action. That live
0: action? Okay, yeah.
1: It's a live act. They're cartoons, but it's a live action. Fairly Odd parent show. I think it's on Paramount Plus. And Keeping I just wanted on to shit. talk about this. I just wanted to talk about this because why do we do this to great? Teen Titans, I feel like they ruined the entire legacy of Teen Titans with what Teen Titans Go is right now. Like, kids think of Teen Titans, and they picture little mini Teen Titan characters singing mm-hmm. songs in the house. When well, no. These niggas were out here fighting real battles and had a real storyline with the original cartoon. And they, niggas fuck so with I Teen
0: told... Titans, though. Hold on. People fuck with Teen Titans Go, though.
1: I, I can't. I just can't. But the show... <laughs> Shows like the fairly odd parents, bro. It's like they already messed my head up when they had a baby and whatnot and everything. Like that threw me through a loop. And then they did the, the live action movie with Drake Bell. That was trash. And then now they're doing this. And it actually no, after the live action movie, they made a friend for the baby, and then they brought a dog into the show. And now they got a live action show. And it's just like, bro, what are y'all doing? Y'all y'all are trying to make this Spongebob when it's not that. Like, Spongebob is the only thing that will always continue to be on. Spongebob is still the longest-running original um, Nickelodeon show, and nobody's beating that. I don't care what y'all try to revamp. I don't care what y'all try to bring back. Spongebob has a formula, and it will always work, and Fairly Our Parents cannot match that formula. They should have ended it after whatever original series length that they had planned, but they're just ruining the legacy of the Fairly Odd Parents, and it's just sad. I just had to talk about this.
0: But this is the things, bro, but uh talking about legacy, I think we will always remember Fairly Odd Parents for probably like the first five seasons before Poof yeah. came in, before the dog came in, before they even brought in a little girl at one point, before all That's of that bullshit dang. came in. We gonna remember Fairly Odd Parents for the first five, so I don't know if this really self-sabotages their legacy as all, because I think It's a nostalgia thing that comes with Fairly Our Parents that we will always remember, no matter the reboot. Same thing with the Bel Air shit. Even if the Bel Air show was good, we will always think of Fresh Prince of Bel Air as the show that we got. And we will always go up that legacy. This is something completely different. So it's funny how a lot of people bring that up of, oh, you trying to do a reboot? Just like iCarly, like the iCarly reboot. Nobody gives a fuck about that show. Even if people are watching it, we know iCarly for what its legacy is when we were like in middle school. So I don't think it ever messes up the legacy. It's just y'all just do y'all wasting time is really what the problem is cuz nobody's going to watch this bullshit with a live action. Exactly, bro. Because even even when you experimented with a live action Drake Bell, like you said, that shit was trash. So now you're going to do a live action show? What what are we doing here, bro? Like yeah, especially when y'all already experimented, y'all already experimented in animation. Like eh, fell out parents need to calm down. But I don't and, think it messes up with that legacy though.
1: And I was this is another um situation. I don't think this legacy is ruined because I was excited as hell for it. I think they're doing well, but proud family, louder and prouder.
0: I heard I think things. it's
1: good. I think it's good, but it could be way better. Like I, I think it could be way better. First off, keeping them middle school or high school age or whatever they are right now, that was a dumbass. Somebody
0: decision. told me that it was grown.
1: No, these niggas are not grown. These Penny niggas not are definitely grown. Still no, <laughs> like what? they're not grown at all. No, wow. they're definitely they're a little bit older, but they're not grown. Mm. She's still only like 16, 17 years old. Like she should have been like our age. Like if Penny was in her 20s and BB and CC was in like you know, elementary school or something like that, would have been way harder. But would that be proud family related.
0: though, bro? If she was out on her yes. own for real, because she's out same, on her own.
1: This shit ain't for younger kids. Anyway, this shit is for us. Like they but really I think that's what they're trying to us. capture,
0: though, bro. I think that's what not
1: they're trying to capture. Now we're keeping them young. Now we're keeping them young. You you gotta, bro. It's just not no, bro. This is, this
0: this is the is thing. This head. is the thing. Because this, like, like I said, and they, I haven't they a made Uncle show.
1: Bobby look different. They got Michael actually as a a girl now, or whatever Michael is at this point. It's they're I get it. They're trying to be more realistic and more inclusive, but they're they hit on certain things. And they missed on certain things. And I think they could have hit all across the board, but they didn't.
0: Because this is the thing. This is what I've been hearing. And this is why I say they are trying to touch two generations with it. They obviously trying to capture the old people. And they're trying to catch the new people at the same time. Because what I've heard is that they're talking about things that are happening now, but they can relate Mm -hmm. to both generations. Like they talked about the transphobic shit somebody was telling me about. And there was another topic where it's like it can relate to adults at the same time. That's why I thought she was an adult in the show when somebody was telling me about it. But it, they're just trying to capture uh, two things in a bottle. I think that's what Proud Family is doing. I'm not mad at what they're doing. But once again, it doesn't mess with their legacy at all. But I think it still can be an enjoyable show with what they're doing. So I, I'm not mad at it, though. I'm not mad. I
1: don't know. I think we need a lot more original shows. I don't know what a lot Oh, of no, we are do.
0: We on. definitely do. Because we, we didn't need we a Proud need a lot Family lot at all. More.
1: We need a lot more originality, bro. Like, what's an original show that comes to mind?
0: This American is American was... Dragon
1: Jake Long, bro. They broke the mold when they made that show, bro. Like, that was some shit I never would have thought about. Like, so American Dragon Jake Long shows like that, where it's just like, damn, I didn't see a, a concept like this coming. We need more of those.
0: See, this is the thing with. And I'm going to start to say it more often that the 2000s was the best run of probably of TV that we will ever get, bro. I think it really will be because everything wasn't a reboot. Everything was original series. The Disney Channel, the Cartoon Network, to Nickelodeon, everything was original. Even the romantic comedies, even the movies were original. Now we get reboots of those movies in the 2010s and in the 2020s. It's like what we doing for real. We don't even get spoof movies anymore. It felt like everything was just so fresh and original. And that's why those movies have so much replay value, bro. Everything from that 2000s era has replay value. Now we see a movie. Now we watch that shit one time and we never think about that shit again. When we go back to watch a 2000s movie, probably a hundred thousand times. So I think that 2000s era was just different, bro. And I don't think we will ever see that type of era again when you talk about TV or movies. That 98, the, the 2000s era. I'll get 98. I want to put Spongebob in them in that too.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, bro. I don't know when it's gonna change. I don't know when kids are gonna get more original content. And the original content they do get, that should be lame, bro. Like, plain and simple. Like, you know how I know it's lame? Because the parents don't like it most of the time. <laughs> I like, there's a few shows that parents that their kids watch nowadays but I can honestly sit here and say my parents like they were interested in a lot of stuff that we watched like it was actually funny or cool it was like oh like this is a pretty cool show now don't get me wrong there were certain shows that my mom was like this is stupid as hell I'm not sitting here watching this with you mm-hmm. most part she liked most of our shows they made sense and they were funny and you could see the adult humor that they still tried to sneak in there with certain jokes that we may not have gotten but the parents watching with us would have gotten. I don't think it's the same way now. Like I think now it's just they try to catch trends a lot in these shows that they make now. and They work, they focus more on hitting on um, if we'll catch the trends that they're trying to show in the episodes than just giving us cool ass original content.
0: For sure. So yeah, bro, I don't know if we ever get back to that shit honestly, bro, but I know one thing. Fairly odd parents forever goaded to me. I remember we had a conversation or was that a poll at one point? Niggas were talking about um the top the Mount Rushmore of Nickelodeon shows or some shit like that. I think I definitely had Fairly Odd Parents up there for sure. I definitely would. I
1: I couldn't have them nah. I can't have them up there.
0: I definitely did. Replay uh, value for sure. SpongeBob. Spongebob.
1: SpongeBob Rugrats. Um what you call it? Uh
0: Hey I key, Invader Zim is a, a Mount Rushmore show, bro, and I think that's some. That's a show that you get you you fuck with it more after you watched it, like when you got Invader older. Invader Zim
1: is Invader Zim is like how future is to the rap game. He could be is... on the Mount Rushmore, but he's not.
0: <laughs> but we know he can be on there. Cause look, this is something I found out about Invader Zim. I I recently watched a video on it. Somebody had said that. Everything that they, most of the things that they were talking about in that show, they were taking shots at Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon was trying to make them something that they weren't. They wanted to be like really a horror show. They really didn't want to be for kids, but Nickelodeon was trying to force them into that kid's role. So they had to cut out a lot of gory scenes. So a lot Mm -hmm. of the, the episodes that you see, they're really taking shots at Nick. It was one episode, bro. It was with the dude who was smiling. He was forced to smile. He had that thing in his head. Yeah, They was taking a shot at Nickelodeon right there because they, like, the kids are like forced to smile through the pain and all that shit. Even when he was eating waffles, he was like, man, what, what are you smiling for? Ain't shit funny. He was like, oh, I love this shit that I'm going through. <laughs> oh, I love what I'm going through. He was saying that that was Nickelodeon. So there's certain shit that you don't even catch unless you learn some deeper shit about it. And I think Invader uh, Zim was show that really climbed up my my, my ladder we talk about Mount Rushmore.
1: A show that should not have been on Nickelodeon. A show that still creeps me out to this day. Ren and Stimpy.
0: Ren and Stimpy is out there.
1: I hate it. Ren and Stimpy.
0: Show. Cow and Chicken, too. Ren and Cow Stimpy ch-
1: creeped me out because there were certain episodes that they played at late at night that they did not play during the day. They had a lot of subliminal jokes, and I'm like, there's no way this is the same cartoon. Like <laughs> it, it was just no way, it was no way.
0: That's that was at nick at night, my boy. But uh, I, I said, Cow Ch- Chicken was that same way. Cow chicken was some wild ass. They used to actually film some wild shit and used to see it as a kid, bro.
1: Ren and, and used to film some yeah, I what I'm saying. Shit. It's the same way. i would be like, the same Am way. I supposed to be watching this? Like, <laughs> bro, I'll never get that image of one of them having the log on they ass and the yes oh in the log and like he was the tired after the he was done his ass. yeah like yeah he was tired when he was done and he was just exa- I'm like oh no bro I was like what are we <laughs> watching and this ain't even the late night cartoons I don't even want to see that's what I'm saying night.
0: it wasn't even late night bro
1: <laughs> this is like 10 11 o'clock
0: <laughs> what's going on <laughs> oh shit. all right man moving over to uh past the ox so we got a full week to actually listen to that future album what was your your overall thoughts after just the one day review bro, we had gave last week
1: i'm I'm gonna keep it on a nine out of ten i didn't listen to the uh deluxe version yet with all the um i think it's like what six or seven new songs on it but i you mm-hmm. got babyface Rave, 42 little baby on there but i ain't gonna lie to you bro that wait for you that might be one of the songs <laughs> of the summer bro that might be bro Future and Drake just don't miss. The niggas don't miss. I don't care. Every single song they have, it hits. I, I know Life is Good they didn't catch people at first when it first came out, because niggas was like, how do you put two different songs together? But that shit, low-key ended up hitting, eventually, once people caught on. But other than that, every song they make is a hit together. Every single time.
0: This so song I has nothing you. but stars on it. <laughs> that shit is great. But, uh, this is, one is, this is one of Future's best albums, bro i know a lot of people say that every time you drop an album but no no bullshit this is one of this is one of his best albums to date bro you can talk about the the ds2s you can talk about the hendrix albums you can talk about all of that bro this is up there with the best of the best for real for real because i can go through and just name nothing but hits but even if you like i said i don't want y'all to just grade it off of uh, one week because like i said future age is like fine wine even if you don't like it now You're gonna love it in a, a couple like of months. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. you're gonna like it to love it in a exactly. couple of months. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't fuck with it right now, but I'm immediately this is one of my favorite. Like, when is the last time I fucked with an album like this, bro? It's been a minute. Cause uh, bro, what love was the other you one? High off
1: life. Love you, love you better is fire on here, bro. Love That's you one better the is fire.
0: I would say no. I like that song better than what's his name, Then um that one with Drake.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I be playing Love You Better on repeat, like, every day right now.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm but saying. But High Off
1: Life, I'm telling you, bro, High Off Life is one of his best projects. I'm sitting, I'm telling you right now, I will sit here and tell you over and over. High Off Life is a top three project from this man. I promise you.
0: See, I'm going I'm going through his shit right now. Because, damn, bro, he got so much shit, I don't even know how I can rank this shit. Goddamn. Remember, I told you last week, the nigga dropped four hit albums in one year. Four, four of them things. Because I'm somebody who loves his self-titled album way more than everybody else. I love that Future, the the Future album. I like, I like that shit better than Hendrix. Hendrix I like that I like shit more. but I like Future better than Hendrix. But uh, I, I love Beast Mode 2. That's something that's high up there. So I haven't fucked with an album like this since Beast Mode 2. 2018 Beast Mode 2. So it's been four years since I fucked with an album. Like, this shit slides, bro. On repeat for sure. So definitely shout out the future man. All right, man. Anything else for past dogs? What you got for song of the week?
1: Uh, hmm. it's really between "Wait for You" and "Love You Better." Damn. Uh, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to "Wait for You" just because it it got the the world on a wave right now for sure. Tim's Tim's got such a beautiful voice, bro.
0: Facts. <laughs> I ended up listening to her um her album. When I uh, listened to the album, or when I listened to that future album, I had to listen to her shit. Shit was fire. Um, Damn. Do I want to go with the future? I'm going to go with that Money Long Another. I see she was on the Breakfast Club today. She's trying to go up the, the charts a little bit. I like, I fuck with her. I fuck with her. All right, and moving on to movie and show reviews.
1: Uh, We got to do Moon Knight. This was episode six, so it was the season finale for episode one, so we got to do that. We got a record from Morbius. Doctor Strange 2 comes out this week. We are going to see it tomorrow on Thursday. So we will have that reaction for y'all. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. We got to do that. We got to do X. Uh, what's the next big movie after Doctor Strange 2? We in May Rudy right now. be Thor? Nah. Oh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park comes out in June. That might be the next big movie. Uh, it might be one in between that, because that's still like a whole month away. But as far as we know right now, Jurassic Park—that's another big one. And I just finished Woke season two, so we could do a season review on Woke. So we got a lot coming for y'all.
0: Y'all should definitely start watching Woke, bro. Like I said, I think this is the funniest season for real this year. I was talking to Malcolm about that shit over the weekend. But um... this, this
1: this season had the best content. I'll say that content-wise, like this this was way better than season one. But I, yeah. I don't know. It, joke wise and, and the way it made me laugh, I don't know. I, I'm teeter tottering stuff. I think both seasons made me laugh equally,
0: for sure. And um, something else I just started watching was that Barry. I, I started watching Barry on HBO Max. It's about a hitman that ends up going to LA and wants to become an actor. Funny as hell. Ended up watching that shit recently. <laughs> I'm on like the first season. It's a dope ass premise though. It's a dope premise It got some like some some gang involvement, criminal involvement, mob involvement. So. I fuck with it. So definitely a uh, show recommendation right there. And uh, anything else, bro?
1: Uh, oh, Denisha got me on a lot of crime stuff right now. She a lawyer. So that's why she got me on crime stuff, but, uh, well, she tried to be watch Law and <laughs> uh, order, but, but, um, what's called it? The thing about Pam, that shit was pretty straight. Um, and it's another one that we watching right now. I can't think of the name, but, uh, it's about some girl who kind of taught this boy into doing suicide but she's trying to fake it off like she had nothing to do with the suicide. It's on Hulu, y'all. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it seemed pretty straight right now, though. But you should watch mm. The Thing About Pam. It, it's based on um, a true story.
0: I ended up watching The Ultimatum. Whoa. Mm. That shit definitely shook me, bro. I've never seen a reality show quite like that. And I think they they were kind of, they were so different because everything has a reality show right now. But they put a different take on it that is just different from what everybody else is doing. And I think that's what makes them stand out. And I think it was one of the, like, the number one show on Netflix. Like, it's up there, like, top five on Netflix right now. And that shit is just, it's wild. Like, it's just funny as hell the type of situation they put their they partners in, which is funny as hell. So that's another show to uh, check out for sure. But, uh, yeah, bro, you can hit it with the social media.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast one Instagram at Podcast, Facebook and social media, Podcast. excuse me, YouTube, I meant to say, and our Gmail is QANDEPodcast at gmail.com.
0: Yes, and you can subscribe to all of our podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And you can subscribe to our Q&E media page. It is QANDEMedia.com and our social media is qande media and our twitter is qe media and we appreciate you guys for listening and we out peace